When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska. Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Signing day. We need, you know, a kazoo or a, a party favor sound effect or something. Well, Nebraska did all their work in the first session. A couple that you may view as that got away or a couple of scholarships stashed for the portal post spring football. We'll get into it. Uh, recruiting insider Greg Smith from Hale Varsity going to be with us in one hour. We will talk plenty of Super Bowl and uh, all things Nebraska. Lars Anderson will join us. He's co-host of the Jay Barker Show. He also has done uh, a phenomenal job in his career uh, being able to sit down and do long-form Connections, stories, and one of those connections turned into a book called The Quarterback Whisper with, you guessed it, Bruce Arians, head coach of Tampa. So we'll spend some time with uh, Nebraska native Lars Anderson in the second hour. Excited to spend some time on golf with Mike Schuart, Wilderness Ridge, and, of course, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Babbers will talk some football, and we might dive into a little Husker baseball with Babbers in about 20 minutes. You can join us. You know the number at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Follow us. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So, show of hands, not while you're driving, who thought Avante Dickerson was headed to Lincoln? You know, when I heard that he went to Oregon on his own dime, when he traveled to Minneapolis on his own dime, I thought, I don't know. And a really good write-up, really good story from Mitch Sherman, our friend from The Athletic. We had Mitch on Tuesday. And some some pretty uh, telling insight here with uh, the, the folks at Westside. And it's it, listen, Avante Dickerson in his conversation with Mitch Sherman said, love Scott Frost, loves a lot of his teammates and guys he's worked with and trained with from Omaha that are part of this 2021 class. But when push came to shove, Avante Dickerson wanted something different. Wanted something different. And he is wowed by Oregon and really had no connection when he went on his own dime for that visit with staff. Didn't didn't collaborate with staff or step foot 
in uh, any of the facilities. He just kind of took a tour of the city and got to hang out with some of the fellas at Oregon. So Oregon's got a lot coming back in the secondary that have that are pretty proven. And Oregon's team last year was was really pretty good. And this whole COVID thing's been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare for guys like Avante Dickerson. It's been a nightmare for kids that did not get to go on their tour. And it's been a true, it's a leap of faith anyway, uh, if you're at that level to get recruited and then you you, you got to pare it down. But, oh, by the way, you can't go visit. You can do things virtually, but it isn't the same. So it, it was a pretty good story for Mitch about how Avante and his mom would save money so they could afford to at least go check things out. So the, the reality is this, though. Uh, Avante Dickerson to a top eight corner in the country. Avante Dickerson to a top 125 player, a composite ranking in the country. And uh, he is not <laughs> he is not going to Lincoln. And that's that's his prerogative. So let's spend a few minutes here on what Nebraska has done. What Nebraska has done since Scott Frost has come to Lincoln. I'd say his closing ratio is pretty good. 13 out of 17 in-state kids have committed to Nebraska. Nebraska did a really nice job with this recruiting class as they come in per rivals number 19. They come in with 24-7 composite. That's 24-7 sports. That's rivals. That's ESPN in at number 20. And that is incredible. That is flat-out incredible to come in again with another top 20, top 25 class, upper tier, top four, top five in the Big Ten. And we told you how screwy COVID is. You know it. You've lived it, right, just with your normal life. So you do have kids that have tried to figure out what they want to do for college academically or athletically. And you've had to adjust and adapt. For Nebraska, without official visits, with – Minimal contact, uh, except for technology. For Nebraska to nail a, a, a number 19 or number 20 recruiting class, to, for them to be able to get a Thomas Fedoni, for them to be able to get a Huhuli, for them to be able to get a a, a number of kids is is flat out a, a several feathers in their cap, okay? I can't put into words just how impressive that is. Now, what you all need to see as Nebraska fans is the translation part. Nebraska is getting top 20, top 25 talent. Is it up for debate how accurate some of the ratings are? Well, statistically, uh, if a kid's big, strong, and fast and goes to some camps and shows out against like competition... That's that's a fair assessment. Now, are pads on all the time? No. Is a kid going to adjust to the academics and life in Division One football all the time at a high level? No. I mean, it's 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 inexact, clearly. But for Nebraska to land uh, four four stars of their twenty commits today, or this twenty twenty one cycle. With Fedoni and Huhuli and Prohaska and, and Randy Kapai out of South Dakota. That's work, man. That is work by Hell. That's work by Fisher. That's work by Austin. That's work by Rude. That's work by who am I missing? Uh, Lubick, Frost, 
Duvall, the, the crew, awesome. Now it needs to translate into wins. And Nebraska is in a rare situation, and it's in a situation similar to 30, 32 years ago where you had incredible regional-slash-metro talent in this region, in Omaha, in Lincoln, in central Nebraska, out in western Nebraska. Go pick, right? Go back and look at the kids that won the first national championship for Coach Osborne and look at how many of them were Nebraskans, either small-town small scholarship or walk-on kids or kids from Lincoln Southeast or kids from Omaha Benson, or just go go through the list: the Tony Velans, the John Hesses, the the Zadiskas, okay, the the Phil Ellises, <laughs> the, the Eric Stokes. I mean, they they were they were great, really talented guys, and they got developed up to be championship level, and they won one, and some of them won a couple. So Nebraska has that generational talent back within the state border, and thirteen out of seventeen ain't bad. We'll talk to Greg Smith here. Honestly, what what you know? There's more talent out there, right? The 2022 class is pretty high level. Uh, is Nebraska going to be able to land that? Don't know, honestly, because you've got a different Nebraska. Because Nebraska right now is a, a five and seven football team, a four and eight football team. That's the other component of this, Elijah, and you're not far removed from it. With some teammates that ended up making tough choices to stay or leave. Uh, Nebraska for a Division One scholarship in the Big Ten specifically. Nebraska is not the same Nebraska as they're trying to get back to that level of awe and man, I want to go play there. For some kids, it's still that way, but it's not that way for a number of kids because Nebraska has not been dominant, relevant, or nationally effective the last 10 years, right? Why is it so cool that Sue and Levante David are in the Super Bowl? Because they were both on really the last really decent teams in Nebraska football. We're working on a decade. Kids that are 17, 18 years of age making their decision today with the second signing day, they were they were eight years old watching Sue in 09, maybe seven or eight years old and or nine or 10 years of age watching Levante David kill it in the Big 10 or Big 12 for that final season. So people know Frost, people know Nebraska, and people know Nebraska need to do better on Saturdays. But they're bringing the talent in. They have the last four signing classes. They need to retain some of that talent. But the 500-mile radius that we've talked about for a decade, there was more 500-mile radius signees. Of the 20 signees, nine from the region, five from Nebraska, two from Iowa, one from South Dakota – that's going to work, and maybe Nebraska will drill down on that in future classes because you've had an ability to do well kind of in that Kansas City region. And, you know, talking with Kaz yesterday, think about the Davis Twins, think about Malik Collins, right? You, you've had some kids from the Kansas City, Missouri Blue Springs region where Kansas City or Kansas slash Missouri have been pretty good to you. We'll see if Nebraska revisits that, but great haul. Not do it on Saturdays, and they have talent and depth to be able to do it with getting kids that are, you know, by all uh, by all intents and purposes, with the the scouts and rivals folks going. Okay, these guys can do something well. They can give you a couple three years. Maybe some will be on conference. Maybe some beyond. 
you got to get him here. You got to keep him here, and you got to win with him on Saturday. Nebraska needs better results in, in, in part of this process. But the first step is getting them here. They're doing that. Yeah, and when you look at the – if you go look at the uh, how 24-7 has ranked the top 10 players in the Husker class, you have seven of those guys coming from the 500-mile radius. Mm-hmm. You got Fedoni, you got Prohoshka, you got Kapai, uh, Latovsky, James Carney, Heiner Carberg. That, that's exactly what – A couple from Iowa, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. So what Nebraska more, more fans have been couple. calling for is keep those guys around home close. What I want to see start – developing in these recruiting classes the ability to go down to florida the ability to go down to texas and the ability to get these high profile four five star guys right now they have uh, a lot of great three-star players four-star players from those states um could they start getting some higher end quality once they start locking up the guys around the state of nebraska and, and building the program off of those guys i sure hope so but i think right now this class is, is a great start towards the the direction that scott frost wants to take this program you know and the, the blowback here is okay so the one that got away, right? And and you've got bets uh, that uh, ended up coming here, which was good. That was a big get for Nebraska. Uh, Watts ended up going to Notre Dame. You've got Dickerson that took off uh, over to, to Oregon. And I'm, I'm leaving out a couple of kids. I mean, I just looking at this class. In this class, the, the hit percentage of those guys coming here has been higher because you look mm-hmm. back to 2017 or 20, 2018, and you had uh, Bryson Williams. Uh, my yeah, teammate yeah, yeah, going yeah. off to Wisconsin. And then you had uh, a couple guys last year in Betts. Um, Betts is here, but Betts Watts. Are Watts. Yeah, Watts. And then uh, who was the other one last well, year? Well, you, you, you had Johnson, Cholester's oh, son. yes. To Iowa. To Iowa. Part of this class. Was he this class? I think so. This recruiting class has just been... Early signing, that, that, right? Because yeah, you got right. December. This, it feels like we've just been talking about this recruiting class forever. Well, it's it's two sessions, and, and what what do you... Listen, what do you, what do you reserve... Uh, with scholarships, because you've got the portal that's a reality. It's been a son of a bee for you if you're Nebraska, but it can be used to your advantage as you look at what you need, rush end slash outside linebacker. That's the other thing, right? With with Nebraska, there's a couple of kids in this class that, that we talked to that, you know what, would have been interesting to see them land in Lincoln, and I'm talking about Patrick Payton Mm. out of Florida, outside linebacker, uh, Northwest Miami High School, and then Will Schweitzer, get out of California. California. Yeah, the the Los Gatos, right? And Schweitzer ended up flipping to Notre Dame, and uh, with with Payton, he ended up going uh, closer to home. I think I want to say Florida State. Does that sound right? Sounds right to me. I I really liked what I saw from Patrick Payton whenever we watched him on tape. Man, that dude was a, was a beast, just like a six foot eight monster for at the end. He yeah, and, and that's it. And I mean, it's kind of the same song, second verse with with what you want and need, and that is Nebraska still needs a pass rusher, and Nebraska still needs to just kind of kick the tires on where they're at at quarterback. You know where where can Smothers develop to to be a a, a challenger for the job. If Adrian isn't getting it done, or if Adrian's injured, and uh, you got Harburg, who God, he's got size and he's got an arm, smart, tough Nebraska kid from Kearney. So you're okay with some guys; they just don't have any experience, and that's that's no fun. But there's no time like the present, right, to to try and grind and get better at in that quarterback room after the departure. We've spent time on here with McCaffrey. But you do have a couple of scholarships in your back pocket 
for a portal, for a JUCO, or for a grad transfer. So this is pretty good. And this is part of the conversation, too, is roster management. And what I like Nebraska doing is this walk-on class. All right. The walk-on class that they have put together, we're talking 20 more walk-ons for Nebraska that's impressive. You've got a slew of kids from Lincoln Southeast that are really good ball players that have played Class A football at a high level. You got some smaller schools kids that are really talented. You got a Buddha in the mix that you gotta love from Southwest. And you got Bullock from uh, from Prep. I love watching Bullock. That kid can ball, right? You got a bunch of Nebraska kids. You've added three or four offensive linemen from the walk-on to the offensive lineman you brought in. So it's a good day for Nebraska, officially done for 2021. Mike Babcock's next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! All right, we'll talk to Lars Anderson in an hour. His take on Bruce Arians. B.A. When I think of B.A., I think of B.A. Baracus. This is the other B.A. who enjoys crown golf and late-night sessions, so stay tuned for story time with Lars Anderson and the Bucks head coach, uh, Bruce Arians, his Super Bowl run. We welcome in Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, kind of a ho-hum signing day today. I uh, got the official announcement with Hahuli out of Hawaii, and really, I love the walk-on kids that Nebraska's been bringing in. What's it say to you, Babbers, about what Frost and company did again on the recruiting trail? We all agree it needs to be better on Saturdays for wins. That said, they're getting the talent in here, it looks like, on paper. Well, yeah, it does. It does. And, and like you said, uh, and it's always been this way for me, you know, um, let them get here, let them get on the field, and let's see what... Let's see what they can do, but you know it's it's uh, and and eleven of the of the twenty scholarship uh, kids are, are early enrollees, so that that's a positive as well. Um, have an opportunity to go through spring practice, whatever that looks like, and um, get a head start on things. So you know it, it. This is always a time to be optimistic, right? Because players can be as uh, the recruits can be as good as you want them to be in your imagination. Um, until they get on the field, and then you see what you got. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity. That's right. Optimism is uh, is good. Excited to hear from from Coach Frost tomorrow, as he'll have a, a Zoom session, and uh, that'll be interesting. And, and Mike, as as we kind of gear towards it, the uh, the the early enrollee part of things and you hit on it, that's so important, and you hear coaches talk all the time about kids getting acclimated. I want to go to, to the Avante Dickerson topic for a moment here and uh, just kind of get your, your reaction, not only with just the, the, the close rate by Frost, 13 to 17 in-state kids, but there, there's, there's been an explosion of, of really high-level kids in this region specifically in the state borders that, I mean, they're getting interest from everywhere. It's, it's not often you lose a kid to Notre Dame or Oregon, 
But the fact of the matter is, you've got LSU and Ohio State and Minnesota and Oregon, and go through the list. They're uh, they're visiting more often uh, the high school campuses. Yeah, you know, in the in this age of social media and and you got camps all over the place, and now it's you know that's been impacted obviously by the pandemic. But um, it, kids are getting their names out there and and much younger mm-hmm. before their senior years, um, and and coaches are seeing them at these camps and uh you know they post video on uh on social media and so forth it's just more difficult to uh to i don't want to say hide but for for guys to get overlooked <laughs> you can say hide i know what you mean <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's you know and and it's tougher uh for nebraska obviously and and getting and and losing what three did you say uh, well if, if you think about it i mean you you've got uh Watts to Notre Dame. You got Avante Dickerson, right? Mm-hmm. And who's the third? Did did we come up with one? Thirteen to seventeen. It's all right. Not not important. But the point is, thirteen out of seventeen. The the, the number is seventeen. Seventeen Division One kids, right? Through four years is is a good number. Yeah. No, that that's good. Um, you'd like to get them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd like to keep them at home because it, you know again you're you're dealing you're dealing with something that's been going on for a while and that is that you move to the Big 10 and there's a different recruiting footprint there and you're not getting guys from areas that maybe you once did and uh, you know it's it's more difficult when you don't have Nebraska hasn't had particularly stable coaching situation um that's difficult and uh and you've got to have uh, you've got to get some solid contacts in these areas, and so the place to start obviously is at home in the state, and uh, that's why you'd like to get them all if you could. But it, you know, it's always there's always been one or two that uh, that have kind of gotten away, even under Osborne. That it seemed like uh, there were some guys from Omaha Central that always seemed to go somewhere else um, at Creighton Prep. That was another another school that maybe they, Nebraska didn't always get them, but. But for the most part, uh, Tom Osborne got uh, got the guys in the state that he wanted, and that was the that was a key. That was the basis for your for re, your recruiting classes, I think. And then you then you uh, pepper in uh, um, guys from uh, distance. You know, uh, New Jersey, Nebraska had a a really good run of guys from New Jersey. Um, you got some guys from Florida because Nebraska was consistently in the Orange Bowl and got exposure down exposure down there, and the kinds of exposure that Nebraska got by being on TV when the uh, NCAA limited your number of TV appearances, Nebraska always had the maximum, always got that kind of exposure, and now all schools are getting those kind that kind of exposure, you know, television exposure, um, and again with the camps and so forth. And uh, Nebraska is not going to the Orange Bowl every year. Is not going to is not going to major bowls, and uh, that always helped uh, in recruiting as well. Babbers, I'm to the point where I'd take Shreveport or Detroit in December. Yeah, yeah. Just get yeah. me to yeah. a bowl game. You want to get you want to get back in that mentality that it's a it's an assumption that you're in a bowl game, and then it just becomes a question of which one. But mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's it's. Uh, Right now, there's a certain degree of fan frustration, you know, about that. And, uh, you know, I, as we've talked, Smitty, I, I just don't know, 
you know, so six and six in a bowl game, is, is that going to make people happy? Probably not. Well, I'll say this. You've been going four and eight and five and seven, right? And, that, uh-huh. and, and folks are PO'd about that, and I get it. And it's not that they're losing. It's how they're losing, right, where you got penalties or you have a chance to win or you're close to Iowa or I know you didn't get Wisconsin this year, but you're right there with Northwestern. And you just kind of look at the recruiting rankings, and Northwestern chimes in at 53. Indiana comes in at 61. Iowa's in at 24 or 27. Wisconsin had kind of a bump in their recruiting this year. But you're losing to teams. Technically, you're, you're out recruiting. You, you, you've, you've survived Illinois, and then you've lost to Illinois. They finished 72nd in recruiting. So technically – you have better talent than who you're losing to, so that's a source of frustration. Still got to go play Saturday, so it's got to be better and more buttoned up one through four quarters. And that's that, to me, with the schedule next year, if you get to six and six in a bowl game and you knock off somebody, you know, six and six, the the okay, that you got to the finish line, great. But if you truly drill down and get better, at what you're doing, and that's the execution, and that's the management, that's the identity, okay? And you, and, you, and you take a leap offensively, and you take another leap defensively, you can crank out seven wins. Uh, you, you, just, you, just, you just can, because technically you have better talent. It comes down to that translation of talent for me. And it's time for – and I know these guys are good coaches. They just got to kind of focus and, and get it done because they've been stockpiling talent, Mike, for, for years. Yeah, well, exactly, and and you know, as we've also talked, you've got to have some patience. But yes, and, and you know, I think six and six in the bowl game, I think that that shows progress. All I'm saying is the fan passion is such that they might look at that and say, okay, uh, six and six or seven and five, it's like in a bowl game, it's like, okay, well now. What's the next step? Okay, well, now we're back. So let's Getting get back to, to nine. Yeah. <laughs> get back let's go to back eight or nine. nine. So now, all of a sudden, the, the standard has changed. It's back to let's win at least nine games, get in the Big Ten championship game, and be in the, in the national rankings in the top ten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and it probably isn't going to happen that fast. But you, it, it's a step-by-step process. Um, and, it, you know, I don't know that – People have really accepted where where things had fallen to. I don't uh, think we knew. I mean, right? I mean, you hear all all sorts of things, and you saw in the field, right? You saw four and eights, and four and eights, and five and sevens, and I mean that that was reality, kind of slapping you in the face with just where where the the fall had had gone, and and it, it's an accumulation of hitting reset for twenty years. Yeah, that's true, and it, but you know, even with with both, it was always nine, at least nine wins yeah. in a bowl game, and and still, it wasn't like you know the losses were really uh, tended to be embarrassing, and mm. and uh, you know there were other things going on there, and and so you know you even have to include the, include the, those things, I think, in in the uh, in the in the situation, and and like you said, it's been twenty plus years since. Nebraska has been consistently in the national conversation, had the national respect um, that uh, that Husker fans have come to expect. Babber's going to switch gears, and he I got about two and a half minutes. Uh, give me a thought on on the Super Bowl Sunday here. What you're interested in? 
and uh, your excitement level for it? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm uh, a little bit torn because I'm uh, a Chiefs fan in the, in this context for this bowl game and or this uh, Super Bowl. And by the same token, you know, when you've got uh, three Huskers on the uh, on the other team, you know, you'd like to see them uh, do well. And uh, you know, I, I think particularly Levante David because I don't think he's ever gotten the the respect that he has earned, um, and and so I, you know, from that standpoint, I guess it'll be one of those things where maybe I'm not so much cheering for one side or the other. Uh, I'm just looking for a really competitive, exciting game, and I, you know, I think that we've got the potential for that. I know everybody wants to talk about Brady versus Mahomes, but you know, it, it it's so much more than the quarterbacks. I mean, that they depend on. Their success depends not only on what they can do in such a special way, but it also depends on the guys up front, mm-hmm. that offensive line. It depends on the guys that are running the ball. It depends on the defense. Um, you know, football really is uh, played by uh, offense, defense, and special teams, and you have to remember that um, when the announcers are going to be constantly talking about it's Mahomes against Brady. I think you're right on, and I'm just wondering how the health of Kansas City's O-line, and they played great with some guys, um, how they'll be able to handle Shaq uh, Barrett and, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and Sue and Levante and White, and maybe they'll get after him and be better than they were earlier in the uh, the regular season. Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you have a great Sunday and uh, rest of your week, obviously. And it's fun to chat with you. Thanks for the time, as always. Uh, you and your listeners, be safe, Smitty. You too. All right, Mike. Good to be with you. All right. Appreciate Mike Babcock. We'll head over to Wilderness Ridge. Uh, Mike Schuart's building a snowman with a putter. We'll find out more next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mike Babcock. We'll hit uh, Lars Anderson in Super Bowl thoughts with Bruce Arians, 525. Coming up next hour, and we say hi to Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, you building a snowman, and has that snowman got a putter in his hand? Yeah, he does. Putter, driver, set of clubs. He's <laughs> waiting for this stuff to go away. It sounds like more is coming. Not oh, good. Oh, I know, I know. So if... We got to get into this Patrick Reed Xander Shoffley situation and lay it out for me. What's your reaction to Sunday at, at the Farmers, or the, the the reaction from the golf community versus Patrick Reed? Is 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 it just the fact Reed's not super likable that this is being blown up? Or are you calling BS on this? Uh, it's a combination. I mean, one is he's not the most likable guy out there. He's got a little past history of kind of bending the rules a bit, if you want to call it that, bending the rules, or just cheating. Um, so that kind of led to it, and then he just kind of, he, he just, he needed to proceed much differently than he did, you know, mm-hmm. it's, but he basically tried to get information, said, yeah, the ball bounced, that didn't bounce, it flew in there, so he just kind of assumed that the ball was going to be plugged as it finds out later the ball did bounce typically the ball doesn't plug after it bounces Mm -hmm. and he just kind of proceeded like yep it's plugged and he he needed to wait for the rules official not kind of 
make that determination on his own to open up that can of worms. And then you got somebody questioning him, and he's he's not going to back down. That's not him at all. Mm-hmm. And then it just started blowing up. And then with his history, it's like it turned into what it did. So you've been in the, the clubhouse. You've been in the heat of it. And that's kind of the scarlet letter that nobody can, can, you know, they can't sand that tattoo off if you've been questioned integrity-wise, correct, at that level of no, golf? No question. I mean, you're always going to be stuck with that tag, you know. And for him, it's not it's not just one time, man. There's been, this is the third or fourth incident that he's been involved in, right or wrong. So he just keeps, that tag keeps building, you know. And he's not a very likable guy. I mean, he's, He'll stick to his gun. He can be pretty brash at times, and he'll let you know what he feels. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Shuey, as we look at the Waste Management Open, take me through that event. I know my, my dad and some of his buddies uh, would would go to that down in, in Scottsdale, and it's popular for a lot of Nebraskans to scoot away and this lovely month of February after signing day, right? Uh, exactly. It, it's one of the more popular events for folks to go kind of kick it and get up close and personal, isn't it? It's an incredible event. It's just a huge party. I mean, they have, <laughs> on a normal year, man, they have thousands of people out there. They have what's called the Crow's Nest, which is a big old tent they used to have out there on property. But they had to move off property because it got so crazy. So, I mean, and the weather's good. People love it down there. They go down and play a little golf, go watch some good golf, and and enjoy themselves. And it's right before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I mean, it just has a whole combination of good things going for it. Shuey, what's going on with you? Talk to me about uh, Wilderness Ridge. I know folks have a chance to become members out there, and you got such a – construction setup uh, not only are you uh, you know doing the snowman thing uh building snowmans not making snowmans but you're also getting your, your construction hat on right now don't you you bet man i just walked in the door after doing a fitting sold a young man here a new tideless driver bang he's got a nice smile on his face he's getting ready for the high school season so getting people hooked up well, and tell me about fitting, because you're going to say this is what you need. And if you listen to me, and you're you're kind, but if you listen to Shuey, you're going to you're going to use that driver to its uh, fullest ability. That's exactly right. That's our plan. That's what we just found out. We took him through a fitting. We hit a bunch of different clubs, and and we got him dialed into the one that actually works the best. It's a way so to do it. If it works, if it works the best, man, you're going to perform the best. Well, I, I love it. And you've got uh, some indoor options too, right? To to work on your you game. You got it. Yep. So we got a we got a huge putting and chipping area. Um so there's not much we cannot do. So right. it's fun. You you when there's 14 inches of snow out there. <laughs> well, it's thawing a bit and uh then you can get back into Casa de Shoeys and and work on your game even in winter time. Shoey, let's talk Super Bowl. Got about 3 minutes here. What are you doing for the game? And who do you like on Sunday? Um, actually, I'm, I'll be just finishing up a junior camp, get home, and I'll watch the game 
after a junior camp, so it'll be a good day. Um, ah, man, I think it's going to be a really high-scoring, close game. I like Kansas City, though. I like I like their offense. It's incredible. I love that. And I think it's going to be high-scoring. I think first team to 30, I think uh, you're going to have a – you tell me this. How you feel it about Sue having another one of his – flashpoint moments like he did against Texas, like he did against New Orleans in the NFC title game a couple years back. Does Sue go off on Sunday, or is he is he just more kind of a role guy now at that age? Oh, I think he's a little more of a role guy, but again, you're playing the Super Bowl, so man, you can, can't get kind of jacked up for this. And the guy's so talented, it's like, mm, I could see him having an incredible game. Mm-hmm. Levante's the one that's going to have an incredible game. That guy's... He's awesome. He's ama- he is amazing. He is just a football player and just knows how to make plays, period. Mike, before we go, I want to bring this back full circle and bring it back to golf. So I want you to take the two quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, and I want you to compare each of them to a golfer on, on the professional tour. Wh- which one is each? Oh, Wow. Uh, Tom Brady would probably be closer to Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. and Mahomes would be closer to Phil Mickelson. Really? Okay. All right. Tom Brady's Tom Brady's pretty consistent. Just kind of goes about his business, and and Mahomes has got a lot more flash. Makes incredible plays. Does incredible things. Mm, so that's that be that's how I'd look at both of those. Mm. Shilly, if folks want to figure out how to see you when things thaw out or before and uh, talk membership, how do they do that? Yeah, just give a call out here at Wilderness Ridge, and we'll send them in the right direction to get all the information they need from membership information, from lessons, club fitting. So we'll take care of anything they they have a question on. When's the swim-up bar going to be done? Ooh, that's hopefully by the end of the summer. Okay. Asking the important question. Well, I, I am. I mean, that is the most important. After after I I uh, no doubt hone my my game on the back nine, uh, I will need to uh, refresh. Exactly. Swim up and have a a cocktail. Need a vodka lemonade uh, and and a, and a beer. <laughs> We're gonna do both of them. Shuey, you be good. You have a great weekend. Thanks for your time, man. You bet. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Stay safe. You too. Mike Shuart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. I'm going to get me a Johnny Football Swan, paddle around in the pool, and get me a vodka lemonade. Greg Smith's Cabot Up Recruiting Insider. Thoughts on the 21 class next hour with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Greg Smith, 10 minutes away, will recap some of the walk-ons. His thoughts on the class. Takeaway with Avante Dickerson headed to Oregon. Greg Smith from Hale Varsity Recruiting Insider. Lars Anderson, his uh, time with Bruce Arians. And what to look forward to on Sunday, the recruiting classes ranked. Ohio State, shocker, comes in at number two. Uh, nationally number one overall in the Big Ten. Michigan, another top ten ranking. Wisconsin comes in at 15. Maryland. Oh, Maryland. Loxley, one of them Saban recruiters. Maryland comes in at number 18 to finish top four. And they were pretty explosive offensively before they got COVID and everything last year. Uh, They had a little Tua 
transfer out and throwing the football around. Nebraska comes in at number five. Uh, 20th uh, composite ranking, uh, Penn State in at 6-21, Iowa 7-23, Minnesota 8 at 36, Rutgers, there's a heartbeat in Jersey, man, uh, Shiano, that's the first time they've had a top 40 recruiting class in years, Sparty in at 43, Northwestern 50, Northwestern's already, he's always at like between 50 and 60, and it doesn't matter. They still win nine games, you feel like. Just imagine what Fitzgerald could do with like a top 15 recruiting class. Well, imagine what Fitzgerald would, would do if he didn't have to like have the hardest school in the freaking United States to get into. One of them. Uh, you got Indiana, 54. But you, you kind of want the smart kids, too. <laughs> Indiana, I said they were 61. That was my mistake. Hey, you, you couldn't have made it to Northwestern. <laughs> Do- doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Purdue's in at 72, Illinois at 74. So Illinois is bottom? Who's bottom? Illinois. Well, it doesn't shock me with the coaching change. and But they were always kind of not great anyway. But, the, the, but, but Lovey had decent talent there. I mean, there's there's one team like Nebraska has not lost to in the last five years, and that's Rutgers. Now they're top 50. Recruiting-wise, yeah. and they got a proven coach who's won there before. I, I got to say, I think it's pretty cool to see Maryland up that high, even though this is a, like a Husker show. Like, Maryland's one of those schools, like, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen Maryland have any real success. They were good. They were good when they had Dirk in there. What year was that? I don't know. He got. I mean, they almost beat Ohio State. Maryland's not far removed from like eight and five. Well, eight and five's like they like they they've never been like the the ten and two Big Ten team. Not no. Will, will they ever get there? I don't know, but I'd like to see them try. They, they were it was twenty years ago, and they had Fat Ralph, their head coach, Freegan, mm-hmm. and they had Franklin as their offensive coordinator. Like how cool would it just be to have another team in the East to challenge Ohio State? Well, you you have two. You have Penn State and Michigan, but a, a third would be okay. And for yeah. a while, the only team that in the East that beat. Ohio State, Sparty's got two wins over him, and, and you have the, 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 punt, the punt block one from Penn State. Penn State's been right there. I wonder if they're about ready not to drop off, but to kind of settle mm-hmm. as a 10-3 and team versus a, an 11-1 and squad. I wonder if they're, and I don't mean this like they're written off, I wonder if they're about ready to take a step back because Franklin's, his name was out there for the Tennessee job. You may want to get the hell out of Penn State. But then you also look at it, and it's it's so tough to be a school like Penn State whenever you got a giant like Ohio State in the same division as you. Because especially whenever you're hitting the same recruiting grounds, really, up there in the... You've won a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just have. I mean, when Nebraska was in the mix recruiting-wise, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but uh, uh, another outside linebacker chooses Penn State... Uh, didn't go Nebraska's way. We'll get into it next. Greg Smith with us on Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Quiet day for the Big Red, but they're going full force for 2022 on 
the final signing day of the 2021 class. Greg Smith is all over recruiting. Check out his YouTube conversation with Aaron Sorensen as he spent some time on the Avante Dickerson decision. And uh, follow Greg on Twitter at GregSmithHV. We welcome in Greg Smith. Uh, Greg, it is uh, a day that's gotten a little bit quieter for Nebraska football the last two seasons. What does today say to you, as a guy who's covered recruiting for a number of years, are you focused on, wow, Nebraska finished with a, with a top 20 class during a pandemic, or are you kind of more focused on, man, they let a guy like Avante Dickerson get away? Oh, in that case, I'm more focused on Nebraska being able to put together a top 20, 25 class um, in a pandemic without their biggest um, weapon on the recruiting trail. Like, And I'm not sure, like even as I say that out loud there, that I've probably given them enough credit for being able to put that together, given how important visits are to what they do overall. Um, and, you, and any coach that you ask over there, a recruiting staffer will tell you that that's their number one selling point. So it's a pretty big deal that they were able to do that. It was tough to see Avante Dickerson pick Oregon over Nebraska, um, but you would also much rather have him go to the Pac-12 than have to face him in the Big Ten like they have, are going to have to do Keegan Johnson at Iowa. So tell me this, why is Nebraska so good uh, during a pandemic, why has Nebraska been so good at getting the talent here the first four years of the Frost era? Yeah, they are really good at a couple of things that are really key to recruiting here. They are good at identifying good players early. Um, really, one of the best examples of that from the 2021 class is actually Thomas Fedoni, who had been coming to campus and had been being recruited by Nebraska for a couple of years, like well before um, he blew up and became a huge national name where every program in the country wanted him. And that ended up really helping out Nebraska in the long run. The other thing that Nebraska is very good at doing is just building relationships in general like when you talk to recruits about why they pick nebraska it comes up a lot uh that nebraska is very good at building relationships in in a variety of ways um because of the way that they recruit where you kind of have an area recruiter versus just your position coach being the one to reach out to you the benefit of that is you get to know multiple coaches on the staff um and, and nebraska gets after pretty hard on the recruiting trail um so that ends up really helping them and they can they do a good job of selling the vision of where they want this thing to go uh with prospective recruits greg smith's with us here on hail varsity radio and, and greg without these visits um do you expect that Nebraska's MO for recruiting might be different? Uh, I don't want to say that they're not going to utilize the, the visits anymore, but now that they've gotten this experience down and they've seen that they can get a top 20 recruiting class uh, with different methods, can, do you see the recruiting even getting better as the years go on? Well, yes and no. I think the the thing that will help Nebraska's recruiting get better is continuing to win um, or to win more. I think that that's the next big step. But I do think that some of these things um, from what's been happening over the last year now, because it's been over a year that we've actually been in the dead period because they put the thing in in March, but it actually went in February because it goes in right after the last signing day. Um, but I think that some of like the Zoom stuff and virtual tours, I think, can you know stick around um, and stand the test of time. But but you'll always want to be able to get guys on campus, especially with Nebraska, because it's always so different from what kids think it's going to be. It's almost always better than what they think. Greg Smith is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, recruiting insider HaleVarsity.com and magazine. 
Greg, uh, give me uh, your take as you've been in close connection with Avante Dickerson and the West Side folks. What ultimately won out for him with Oregon? And then the other kid that Nebraska was in it till the end with was uh, Davon Townley. And you know, before we went to break at the top of the hour, I said, stop me if you've heard this before. An outside linebacker down between Nebraska and Penn State chooses Penn State, right? And so give me, give me your, your reaction to, to both those guys and, you know, where Nebraska may turn with those two scholarships they've got in their back pocket. Yeah, I think Avante was always a guy, and you saw this when he committed to Minnesota. I think that he was always someone that kind of liked the idea of getting away for school. Like I don't, I don't think, it, and it's so tough because I, I, and I've got this all day about you know, hey, Scott Frost said he wanted to keep top talent home, and he lost the top guy in the state. You know what's going on here, and I get that from a fan's point of view, but at the same time, um, Avante Dickerson doesn't really have bad things to say about Scott Frost or the Nebraska program that he has really good friends coming to. Um, I really just think he wanted to get away and do something different and be his own guy somewhere else. I also happen to think that the Pac-12 style of play really suits his game. Like, I actually think he made um, a strong choice if he was not going to come to Nebraska, obviously for people around here, um, that he goes out to the Pac-12. I think that'll help for him in his development and his future. Um, with Davin Townley, I think that Penn State was always kind of in the driver's seat in, in that situation. Um, I think that continuing to battle other Big Ten teams for linebackers I think is something that you definitely want to see. As you've seen Penn State um, pop up here in recent years, you've seen Nebraska battle Wisconsin. You've seen them battle Iowa. Um, I think that that's a good sign that they're recruiting the right linebackers. You just got to start um, winning more of those battles. And as far as the last two spots go, um, they're definitely going to go portaling. Um, I think that you're going to look to see what happens in the transfer portal as you'll continue to see, you know, record number of people going into that thing. Um, but as we saw with what happened with Luke McCaffrey leaving, Nebraska is probably pretty fortunate that they have a couple of spots in their back pocket now um, because now the options are kind of wide open as where they can go with that. Greg, you bring up a good point going to the transfer portal. Cause I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the places that the Husker staff may have missed on in this class. Were there any positions uh, where they – wanted a guy or they wanted uh, an upgraded position they didn't get him that they may look to uh, in the transfer portal yeah well it's interesting because outside linebacker is the one that comes to mind um with like a, just kind of a, an edge rusher but the thing is is they had that guy right patrick payton was that guy um and ended up decommitting um and going and committing to florida state will schweitzer was a guy um that was in the class for a minute and he ends up leaving as well christian burkhalter uh was another guy from down in alabama i believe that nebraska was in on heavy so that was really where they missed even though with that i like the linebackers that they got um, but if Nebraska can get an impact kind of pass rusher type um, they'll definitely always look at that they're probably going to have to kind of kick the tires on quarterback um, at least to get some more experience in the room um, not that I think they necessarily missed on quarterback in this class I like Harburg and his long-term projection um, but now I think that they're able to go through winter and spring and see what kind of transpires with the team and then kind of address the needs with the two spots remaining from there which is a better position to be in for the Greg Smith's with us at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, we'll get to um, the uh, the the slew of 2022 names that you've been kind of turning the page to and focusing on. Give me three guys that that are that are on Greg's guys radar here. Give me three guys from this class. We're going to take Fedoni out of the uh, the equation because 
he is a guy that we all kind of say, okay, that's that's the dude in the class. But give yep. me three folks that, that you're intrigued by and excited about for Nebraska fans. Yeah, I think there, there's another one in Omaha that we talked about, Avante Dickerson. To begin with, I'll stay at Omaha West Side and go with Kobe Bretz. Um, I'm sure you got a chance to see him play this year. He's a yeah, really he's great awesome. athlete. Like, yeah, like I don't know if you can watch them and not come away impressed um, with his athleticism. I am really intrigued to see what happens with him if he can stay at safety and kind of be a rangy athletic safety, or if he adds weight and comes down to outside linebacker, plays a little bit of a hybrid role. Like, I think his potential is, is really, really high. Um, on the offensive line, going out to Iowa, I like um, Henry Lutowski on the offensive line. I think that as a guard, um, he has the makings of being a really good guard on in this style of offensive line that could, has really good athleticism and got some nasty to him. Um, and then at wide receiver, I'll go there. I like Latrell Neville. Um, it is really hard to separate those three wide receivers because they're similar in size, but they have different skill sets. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if any of them end up kind of breaking now, but I'll pick Neville um, from down in Texas. I think he's got a great work ethic and athleticism. Um, and I think he can bring a lot to the offense at, at six foot three. Randy Randolph Kapai, Sioux Falls, guy's a beast, had a lot of offers. Nebraska gets him. When we look at the Iowa, the Nebraska, and the South Dakota, that makes up more than 50% of your 20 signees. So that's the 500 mile radius that's so huge. Yep. But uh, I mean, what's, what's the ceiling for? for our, our dear friend Randy. Okay, so with the, man, I'm, I'm sad that I forgot him. So no, you know, you, no, you're, 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 good, you're good. I just, no, he's a guy fine. that I'm like, man, I love, uh, I'm trying to say, okay, what's his weight going to be and can he go kill people off the edge? Yeah, and see, and that's the thing is that he's another kid kind of like Brett's except for he's going to start at, at linebacker. Mm-hmm. But he's like Brett's in that he's got a lot of versatility to his game, and it's actually something a lot of the linebackers in this class share. Um, but I think that Kapai could end up being a guy that plays inside or outside. I hope that he gets the shot to start off outside to see what he can do. I do not know for sure, but I do think that he could be a guy that can come off of the edge for you. Um, he's a super talent as well. Um, so I'm excited about him. And I do think that he's probably like the highest rated kid in the class that people probably don't talk about mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, Greg, I was just going to say that. I mean, for being a guy who's a top 250 player in the country, you don't hear all that much about Kapai. He's been committed for a while. Are there any other guys in the class that you think could be sleepers in this class, kind of like Kapai? Man, Jalen Weaver, um, big defensive lineman out in California. You know, you know, six six, six seven, almost three hundred pounds coming out of high school, but, but also is really athletic because he has a basketball background. Um, that's a good lump of clay for you know Zach Duvall to work with, along with Tony Tuioti on that defensive line, get him coached up. Um, that's a guy that I'm really intrigued by to see where, where he's at in a couple of years because uh, I think he could be a really intriguing player. Greg, let's talk uh, walk-ons. Uh, some walk-ons you're you're excited about and uh let's spend some time first though before the walk-ons on Ernest Hausman I saw him play for Columbus I'm like who is that dude and uh you know now he's he's got a senior season in front of him and he's got a, a slew of of power five offers along with some g5 offers but the who's who's coming after Ernest or e Mr. E as he's probably called in Columbus that kid's really nice is Nebraska in pretty good position with him uh, among some other high-level kids within the state, yet again, that are getting big-time Division One offers. I mean, the Metro's pretty loaded. You got Apple getting company out of Southeast, and I mean, there's so many in-state kids that I mean, it's just down the road for Nebraska. 
Yeah, first of all, count me in on the Jake Applegate bandwagon. Yep. I hope that kid gets awesome. an offer down the road, and I think that he could uh, be an offer guy as a linebacker. Uh, but Ernest Houseman, Nebraska, has to be counting their lucky stars that they got in early on him, and they did, and they have a solid relationship. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he's really excited uh, about where his relationship is going with Nebraska, but he's also been excited about all of the attention that's been coming his way. And I think today he picked up Michigan. Yeah. He just picked up Boston College. Um, there were a few others that have happened here um, in Minnesota, I think, uh, offered him yesterday. Um, he's getting offers just every more and more by the day, and he's a really good player. And I think that we talk about kind of that big group of, I think it's four guys out in the Metro that already have offers from Nebraska. But don't forget about the kid in Columbus uh, because he's a really talented player um, that Nebraska's done a good job with so far, but they're going to have to keep on that one. Walk-ons. Give me a couple, three walk-ons you think could – could see time or or get that scholarship at some point really nice looking walk-on class again for frost yeah, Alex Bullock, great yeah. prep, is, is one of the top names that you think of. Play wide out, could even play some defensive back. Um, Derek Branch um, from that Lincoln Southeast team is another wide out that I like. And then I just forgot, and I apologize, the kicker's name, who actually could kick the ball out of the end zone. I was just looking what at What did this. you just say? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and that was, I wanted to make sure to mention him, and I very much apologize, I just forgot his name, but that, that people will know about that, uh, hopefully coming up if he can reliably do that uh, in Lincoln. I mean, if he does that, like Greg right Smith's bat, wish list is to get a kicker that kicks the ball out of the end zone. <laughs> if he does that right away, tell? does he get like the starting kickoff spot right away, you think, if he can just do that? Cause, is there anyone else in the roster that can do that? Yeah, that's the thing. That has to be a wide open spot, right? Like you would think that if you can, like, and that'd be a heck of a way to kind of come in and be able to contribute right away um, because they have not had anyone that can do that. And they did some different things last year where they were trying some directional kicks, and sometimes that worked really well. Other times it definitely didn't. Um, so we'll see. I think the, most, the easiest path there is for you just to find someone that can kick it out of the end zone. So hopefully they have that. He's a kid out of Ord, isn't he? Yes, yes, but I'm blanking on the name still. I'm going to pull that up. I'm going to pull that up here in two seconds, hailvarsity.com. Oh, the wireless in here is beautiful. Um, <laughs> I know who you're talking about, though. The, the kid out of Ord can ball and get me uh, those Nebraskans with, uh, with the, the thunder in their toe, right? Right, it always seems like it feels like for a little bit here they kind of went away from that, or it just wasn't happening. Um, but you can always find those guys around the state, right? Like it feels like we're talking about kind of like the Power Five level skill talent that's been around coming up for the last couple of years. But I think those kickers um, were finding out what kind of blessing it was to have those guys lying around all the time too. Now, Greg, give me a uh, a prediction for the Super Bowl. We're um, we're in it. You know, we're not, we're counting down the days. What happens Sunday? Who are you cheering for? Yeah, I mean, I'm cheering for a good game um, just because I don't have allegiances to either team. Uh, my Bears are so far off, I can't even see this thing. Um, but I think I think that Kansas City wins it. I just can't see anyone like consistently stopping them enough uh, to be able to win that game, even though that Tampa defense is money. It's hard to go against the legend in Tom Brady, but I, I think Pat, Patrick Mahomes uh, gets it done for the Chiefs. Greg Smith, Greg, thanks for the time today. Hey, thanks as always. You guys have a great day. 
And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. And and back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We bring in college football insider and man for uh, Sports Illustrated for a number of years, uh, several New York Times best-selling books. We say hi to Lars Anderson, a native Nebraskan at Lars Anderson 71, co-host of the Jay Barker Show. Uh, Lars, it's it's Super Bowl week, and you talked to Joe Willie Namath today, brother, on your show. Was he wearing the fur coat? <laughs> well, he's enjoying his time down in Florida. Uh, he's friends with Bruce Arians. And, you know, they have the Alabama connection. Bruce is on Bear Bryant's final staff then coached again at Alabama uh, in the mid-90s for Mike DeBose. And, and uh, over the years, he's gotten to know Joe Namath quite well. And Joe just thinks the world of Bruce. And, you know, he, he expressed that he wished that he could have played for Bruce just because uh, of the way that Bruce uh, let his quarterbacks just let it rip and, you know Bruce's philosophy of no risk it, no biscuit, and uh, and I and I think you know that's a big reason why Tom Brady wanted to come to Tampa. It wasn't necessarily because of uh, the roster or the wide receivers or the defense or the offensive line. It was because of uh, Bruce Arians. Lars Anderson with us, and Lars, one of your uh, best-selling books is that biography with Bruce Arians. Uh, tell my listeners the story about your connection with 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 BA and that process because it, it's a phenomenal read, and this is something BA's been chasing his whole life. This stage, this Super Bowl moment. Yeah, so this was several years ago that Bruce's agent reached out to my literary agent and and, and that led to me doing a story on Bruce for Bleacher Report. And and really what we wanted to do for this piece was just to to see if if we got along and if a long form collaboration between the two of us could work and so I went out to Phoenix. He was the head coach of the Cardinals at the time. And really, Bruce's motivation to write the the quarterback whisperer was for him to transition from coaching into broadcasting because he knew at the time that he was just going to coach for two more years with the Cardinals, and then he wanted to get into broadcasting and kind of wanted to stay relevant. So he, he wanted to write a book, and and Bruce has so many connections to Alabama and, and Birmingham. I, I'm not sure who recommended my name to him, but uh, anyway, I ended up going out to, to Phoenix during training camp, and uh, and Bruce and I spent the better part of a, of a week together. And it was really interesting, Chris. Like <laughs> at the end of every day. Uh, Bruce and his coaching staff, those who were brave enough, would retreat to his his suite in the hotel, which was located just across the street from Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 
And Bruce, he was a former bartender at Virginia, when he was at Virginia Tech. He was a, he was a he was a wistful quarterback, believe it or not, at Virginia Tech. And on Saturday afternoons in the fall, he would be on the football field, and then Saturday nights he would be behind a bar slinging drinks. <laughs> and so Bruce, within uh, when we're in we're in Glendale and his suite, he would start slinging drinks. And Bruce loves crap. And if, if you want to get a good laugh, follow Frank Caliendo on Twitter. He does a spot-on interpretation of Bruce, and, and he just did this like little spoof where uh, he, he, as Bruce, is, is hoisting the NFC Championship trophy, but instead of the trophy, it's this big bottle of chrome. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so Bruce... You know, he likes his crown, and uh, he likes it when people around him are drinking crown. And so uh, it would be me and then Time, who is the general manager and still the general manager of the Cardinals, and Tom Moore, uh, who's been an assistant coach forever and one of Bruce's writing men forever. And, boy, we, we would just uh, – and, and then uh, Bruce's agent, we would stay up till about 2 in the morning talking – and and the stories, of course, just kept flowing and flowing and flowing. And I was just writing all this stuff down, having the time of my life. But then, you know, Bruce would be like, so Lars, you're, you're going to be at the quarterback's meeting at 6 a.m., right? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, Bruce, I'll be there, I'll be there. And, uh, you know, after like two or three days of this, I, I was just, I was dying. I was dying, Chris. And, like, it was like Bruce had this boundless energy, and so did Kime. And it got to the point where I would see them at, like, 3 in the afternoon, and I would just be dragging. I'd be dragging. And they'd be like, are you man enough to come up to the suite tonight, Lars? Are you man enough? <laughs> and and, I, and, I, and I, I had to be because I kind of knew. Like they, it wasn't just like a test of, of you know, whether or not I had the uh, endurance to keep up. It was like, you know, am I a guy that Bruce wants to work with? Sure. Uh, and, and so anyway, long story short. We ended up just getting along so well, and uh, and then we wrote the book together, and and then uh, you know Bruce spent uh, just uh, one year out of coaching because he, he was having some health issues, and, and, and those health issues got better. And then Bruce also realized, even though so he was living in Reynolds Plantation, Georgia, he still does. And he and his wife Chris call it there forever long, and so he was working for Fox. And Fox would literally, like, they would helicopter Bruce from Reynolds Plantation over to at the Atlanta airport. But then Bruce had to do something that he had never had to do before, and that was deal with TSA. Uh-huh. And he realized quite quickly he didn't like dealing with TSA. And it didn't matter if he was flying first class. You know, he was just a regular grunt like the rest of us. And he just... He was like he enjoyed doing the the uh, the broadcast, and I, I forget who his partners were, but he did a good job with it. And then this uh, opportunity with the Buccaneers came off, and so the first year, uh, Jameis Winston he threw for, throws for over five thousand yards. He also throws thirty interceptions, and Bruce made the difficult decision to part ways with Jameis. 
And then he, a little birdie, told him that Tom Brady could be interested in leaving the Patriots and kind of had a wandering on. And so at the NFL Combine that year, I think Bruce, I swear to God he did this, uh, he had a reporter friend ask him, hey, if you had your ideal situation, what quarterback would you want? So he had that question planted, okay? And then so he gushes on and on about Tom Brady. <laughs> all right? And uh, this is all by design. This is not happening, and then Brady hears this. Brady does his research. I don't know if he read the quarterback whisper or not. Or, you know, I know he watched the NFL documentary of football live mm-hmm. on DA. And then he just did his research. And then all of a sudden, Brady calls DA. And uh, Lick, right? He was got a Nebraska connection. And lights, uh, uh, Proud Fremont, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of Nebraska connections on this Tampa team, as you know. And and Tom ended up selling himself to them, saying, look, I, I want to come join you guys. What, what can you offer me? And Bruce said, look, you can have a hand in personnel decisions. You can almost be like a uh, player coach, and we'll listen to you on how you want to sort of manipulate the, the playbook and we'll, we'll change everything. We'll change our entire offense so that you're comfortable. But at the same time, you have to listen to me and, and Bruce saying this. And, you know, his philosophy is summed up in no biscuit, no biscuit. He's like, I want you to throw the rock down the field. Mm. And we are going to be ultra aggressive all the time. And that just uh, resonated with Tom. Tom has a child, uh, and this is not talked about a lot, but he has a child out of wedlock who lives in New York City. It said that you can get a direct flight from Tampa to New York and be there relatively quickly. And so that, that worked in their favor. And uh, the one thing that has annoyed Bruce uh, throughout the year about Tom, and Bruce has told me this the other day when we were talking, was that Bruce will say something to a young player and Bruce will just get like this blank stare and no verbal response from the player. And then Tom will hear Bruce say this on the practice field and Tom will say the exact same thing and the player will look at Tom and say, yes, sir, yes, sir, Tom, yes, sir. (laughs) So, uh, again, in a lot of ways, Brady is uh, almost assistant head coach. Lars Anderson with us, uh, author of The Quarterback Whisperer with Bruce Arians, B.A. in Tampa, vying for a title. That's a phenomenal backstory to how Tom got to Tampa. Lars got a couple minutes. I need a prediction and uh, I need a thought on, on Sunday. What are you thinking? I think it's going to be a really close game. I, I, I think the, the injury to Eric Fisher who I feel I, I feel horrible about mm-hmm. it. The left tackle for the Chiefs, Richard uh, Achilles, and I, I've unfortunately had that same injury. It's a tough one to uh, come back from, but losing that left tackle is going to be huge because you saw what Jason Pierre-Paul and what Shaq Barrett 
uh, the two defensive ends for Tampa Bay were able to do against a healthy Green Bay offensive line. The two of them combined for five sacks in the NFC Championship game and consistently pressured Aaron Rodgers. And what Tampa was able to do was to get pressure on Rodgers with four people. I think Indomitia Sue, again, another Nebraska mm-hmm. connection, I think Sue's going to have a really big game. And um, I, I think the story of the game is going to be the Tampa Bay defensive front four against Kansas City's offensive line. You know, they're not going to let Tyree Kill go for 203 yards receiving in the first quarter like they did in the, the first time that they played. They're going to put a safety over the top, and and uh, they're going to double Tyree Kill. They're going to double Travis Kelsey, and they're going to make other, other guys try to beat him. And so I, I think, I mean, I'm biased. I'm going biased. But I, I like Tampa to win this game 31-28 on a, on a late field goal. Lars Anderson, I, th- I think we're on the same page with how Tampa can do it. You can find Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. And, of course, uh, the biographer with uh, Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer. Lars, I'll uh, be thinking about you on Sunday, brother. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, brother. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how you been? I'm great, Chris. How you been? Doing all right, man. Gearing up for Sunday with Tampa and Kansas City. The Chiefs are a true pleasure to watch Tampa with all that Nebraska influence. And, of course, Mr. Brady, you've got to be excited. you have big plans for Sunday? Nah, just no, no big plans, but just yeah, what a what a great Super Bowl, and yeah, it's just what it's just amazing to see you know Tampa Bay get there and think about what a turnaround it's been with Brady there, and that's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, kind of a neat run. Obviously, it's great to have the Chiefs there too. Oh, you, know, you know, kind of somewhat local team. That's going to be fun. It will be, and uh, the the part of this thing that'll be interesting is. That Kansas City offensive line is dinged up as they are uh, against that Tampa defense that's really come to play. And going to spend some time on Eric Fisher. It's an older injury, but it's going to be potentially impactful, specifically with Tampa and what they've been able to do off the edge with uh, Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett, a, a Boystown kid. So let's talk Eric Fisher. And, and he's played a really valiant career in Kansas City, uh, part of a, a key cog in that offense. But when we talk about playing tackle and coming back from an Achilles injury, I know athletes are able to return. We've, we've done a lot of Achilles jock docs, but I don't think we've done one with an offensive tackle before. So talk to me a little bit here about uh, Fisher and not only his injury but just his age the injury and the position he plays 
Yeah, you know, you're right, Chris. I don't think we have probably touched on a you know an offensive lineman before with an Achilles injury. I mean, obviously that they're out there, but you know probably less less so. Uh, but you know, let's let, definitely different in terms of his position. Let's do kind of get in a little bit to what's he look like long term, what's the recovery look like. Um, so obviously, you know, just kind of rewinding back here anatomically, like we typically do. So speaking anatomically, you know where the Achilles is. Most people know where the Achilles is. It's basically, that tendon that comes down off the end of your calf hooks down on the bottom part of your heel or the calcaneus that's the achilles tendon um, where these injuries typically occur eh, about an inch inch or two above where that uh, achilles hooks onto the heel bone um, but essentially you know you have the tear in the achilles and then you know from there you know traditionally this is something that you've been fixed surgically and then you're looking at you know a good long eight nine ten months recovery to get back sometimes upwards of a year um, you know i will tell you just from a treatment perspective it's been interesting watching um, this shift over the past couple of years there's been kind of a trend for it even in the last maybe like 10 years but over the last couple of years really a bigger change just in terms of how do you treat these you know do you actually treat with surgery or do you treat it non-operatively there's been a bunch of new studies out that have actually shown that you know non-operative treatment is actually equivalent to operative treatment with these which sounds totally crazy compared to what we used to you know think about these these are always you know a fix for us in the past um, you know when you look at those studies though uh, they're kind of all comers you know those studies are not specific you know here's an nfl player do you always fix nfl players or here's an nba player do you always fix them same thing with baseball um, so there's not those specific studies but it'd be interesting to see how those kind of athletes would fit into that protocol just in terms of surgery not surgery um, i would assume for him they're probably going to go the surgery out that's the traditional thing the traditional thing to do it's hard at that you know, super high sports level to have a big shift like that occur over a short amount of time. So I'm assuming he's probably going to have the surgery side, which again, there's some newer techniques with different suture and repair stuff going on that they'll use and different kind of magic. Oh, kind of, oh, um, biologics you can mm -hmm. add to it to aid in healing. So that's kind of that side of it. So at any rate, they'll do the surgery part, he'll rehab it, you know, six, 12 months in terms of recovery. But the big question is, how does he look long-term was your question. Um, you know, as an offensive lineman, um, probably not as detrimental to him as, say, somebody like a running back, quarterback, receiver, where there's more agility-type things, uh, explosive jumping, cutting activities. And so, you know, he probably is not as impacted with this as, say, one of those other players would be. Um, and so maybe for him, the long-term outlook is better than, you know, say, a quarterback or, you know, the, the basketball player. And so that would probably be my thought process on him. Obviously, his mobility will be a little bit limited for a while. The question will be with this injury is even with the surgery part is how much of that calf or those muscular structures in that area, the gastroc, so it's how much of that can he build back because that obviously plays a big role in his power of you know, standing his ground and, and blocking. So that will be the big question for him and the big focus of his rehab post-op. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, focusing on the Chiefs here and Eric Fisher, his Achilles injury. You have uh, Remmers, it's going to be in at right tackle for Schwartz, Wiley in at left tackle as we talk midweek here, and Wisniewski at guard, so three of the five are guys who've seen time this year due to the injury issues with the Kansas City offensive line. But Fisher, uh, number one pick overall in the 13 draft out of Central Michigan, really kind of finding his own as he's gotten into his later 
20s and into his 30s, two of the last three seasons. He was a Pro Bowl tackle in the NFL. So as we talk about that position, you need obviously the quickness with those guys speeding in at 280 pounds off the edge that are just crazily strong, right, in, in, in the ability on third and eight to... To, to keep uh, Mahomes safe uh, with uh, his mobility also factored in. So when I talk about the the uh, the part of Fisher here with the Achilles, does this affect his balance or is it just the, the agility side? If, if we're going to look at the percentages here, because I'm wondering about that, because you know how balanced the Chiefs are offensively when they run and pass, right? So how's his balance going to deal with this Achilles? Not just the, the power and strength, obviously, you hit on that, but his balance and his lateral ability. Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, definitely that will be you know, impacted to an extent. Um, one of the terms that we use for this as somebody you know, goes through surgery and the rehab process, um, there's a term called neuromuscular retraining, which is essentially how you kind of your brain kind of relearns as to you know where's this knee at in space, where's your ankle at in space, how does that knee or ankle feel when it you know makes contact with the ground or with certain cuts, and so that neuromuscular retraining takes a long time. Obviously, balance plays into that, and so you know that first year when he gets back, it'll be it'll be tough. You know, his balance will be off for a while. A lot of that feedback will take time to get that back. You know, balance also has to do with just the flexibility piece. That's one of the biggest battles after, you know, an Achilles injury is regaining that flexibility through the ankle joint um, is tough. You know, these tend to be pretty tight afterwards. Um, you have to get that tension just right when you do fix these. And so regaining that will be an issue. So, yeah, I think so. I think he'll struggle with that balance for a while. You know, long-term prospects of that, I think balance-wise, you do gain that back pretty well, especially, again, for that position he'll be in. So I think in the end it will be okay from that perspective. Um, but, again, that first year first year's tough. You know, that first year back after an Achilles is tough. It, you can play, but you're really not the same that mm-hmm. first year you're back. Um, and so I think next year will be a bit of a struggle for him that might – cause some issues for them just in terms of his protection of the quarterback and their running game. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Chiefs and Bucks and that walking wounded crew for the Chiefs on the offensive <laughs> line and the Achilles issue with Eric Fisher is it's just gut-wrenching to him. He won one last year as a starter, wanted two, and we'll see what happens with Kansas City. Dr. Brandon, enjoy your, your Sunday with family and friends. Enjoy the game. We'll do this again soon. Ah, sounds great, Chris. You guys take care. Thanks again. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, thanks to Mike Schuart and Mike Fabcock, Lars Anderson, author with Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer, and Greg Smith knocking out signing day 2.0 today and quiet for Nebraska, but a good class moving forward. Some official mentions for the walk-ons, a lot of great in-state kids that will help the Nebraska football program. Tomorrow on the show, we'll check in with Brandon Vogel and Danny Burke and Gary Barnett and Grant Wistrom will join us. We'll round out Super Bowl week with uh, Eric Warfield and Coach Ron Brown. So excited to have that locked in the rest of the week here on Hale Varsity Radio Podcast. Get us subscribed to, give us a review. 
and give us some feedback. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, where you can get the podcast, the on-demand ESPNLincoln.com for the interviews you want to hear, and uh, check out the full array of options uh, when it comes to the uh, Herd Ad Media uh, selection of podcasts. If you're moving, West Blue Realties, where you got to go, where you got to turn. In 2021, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities to help make this next move a smooth one for you. And when you mention Hale Varsity, for a limited time, up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Two names you got to know when it comes to moving. Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom a call at 402-540-3768. Or you can call Kelly Hofschneider, West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com, 402-202-2312. 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln is where you can find them. And I'm trying to, I got ditched for dinner tonight. So I got to figure out if I'm going to air fry something or if uh, I'm just going to go have a beer and and have a pre- preemptive wing strike. Well, it's Wednesday night. Is there any wing specials around Lincoln I don't tonight? know. I was kind of checking that out. I think maybe. I know usually it's, I'm going to have to investigate. Like Wing Wednesday just like flows off the tongue way too often. Not too many wing deals today. No, I know, right? There's got to be somewhere. (laughs) But there's supposed to be some sort of shortage of wings, and it's been on my mind, quite Mm -hmm. honestly, for Sunday. Are you you worried? I I am because I I will not plan ahead, Mm -hmm. and it'll be day of. Yeah, we're, we're guys. We don't plan ahead. No, we pick up day of. Uh, Buckle up when you do go get your wings, is what I'm telling you. 70% of people in Nebraska are in fatal crashes. They're not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce risk of injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. What are you doing for dinner? It's not an invite. Um, no plans at the moment. Uh, you have leftovers? I do have some leftover uh, pasta, but that's what I had for lunch today. So I might just go for like a little ramen. You an angel, are, you, are you an angel hair guy? Uh, I'm not. That's okay. I'm well, not, I mean, uh, that, that, was my, that was my nickname back in high school, angel hair. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been good though, huh? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, my nickname wasn't angel hair. I, went for I don't want to I, I know your nickname in high school. Uh, it's probably stash. You started growing your stash. <laughs> nah, that's a this year thing. Yeah, good. All right, we will say goodbye and be back at it tomorrow. More Super Bowl thoughts, more Husker talk. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.